0: This episode is brought to you by Tanmay Shah. That's me. Best way to support this show is by sharing this with your friends and dropping a comment and review on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can become my patron and a sponsor. That's not all. You can buy Rocklass merchandise and NFTs and much more. See all the links in description for details. Rocklass Radio, Rocklass.
1: Rocklass Rocklass
0: Rocklass Rocklass
1: Rocklass Radio with Mai Shah.
0: Hello everybody welcome to another episode of Rocklass Radio On the show today we have with us MOCA which is more modern than Museum of Modern Arts On Rocklass previously you have witnessed and heard Belvedere of Austria the old, one of the oldest museums in the world on today's show, we bring MOCA, which is the one of the most futuristic museums. So let's find out and talk to them about what they are up to. Joining us is Colborn Bell, founder and director of MOCA, Museum of Crypto Art. Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here.
0: So starting off, how would you explain MOCA, Museum of Crypto Arts to somebody who's never heard about it before?
2: Yeah, it's, um, it's a bit difficult, but let's see what I can do. You know, the, as you say, the Museum of Crypto Art uh, is, in a sense, probably, if not the most futuristic museum in the world. Uh, and when you generally think of the word museum, you know, you think of history, you think of preservation Uh we're, we do have for sure an element of that. We have a permanent collection of 350 works. We do a lot of exhibitions generally in digital spaces, but also in physical spaces. Um, you know, we've we've shown all over the world from Los Angeles, New York, Miami, London, Paris, uh, Turkey uh China we've shown in india um you know and and on and on and on um but I think of us more as a experimental think tank for uh really just the intersection of of art and technology, so how are creative people using blockchain how are creative people using augmented reality virtual reality a i machine learning and what is the confluence of this space and how do we uh collectively begin to explore what it means to transition into these new realities? Um and the implications of such uh more of the, the human questions around, around doing this type of activity.
0: hmm The world has so many museums, so yes. why
2: <laughs> I mean you know it was it was meant to be uh it's a bit tongue in cheek, right? Because, you know, what I noticed when I entered the space is that there, there were no institutions, right? And there was a marketplace, and there were artists. Uh, but if there is no third party, kind of talking about the story, kind of validating, you know, what's going on, well, then it doesn't really go anywhere. And kind of the first step in that, in making that history concrete, and making that history valuable to people is to establish a museum. Um, but it was really meant to be tongue-in-cheek and more playful, even, you know, when how many mochas are there, right? There's there's 10 other Museum of Contemporary Arts all around the world, right? So this was going back to kind of Crypto's spirit of playfulness, Crypto's spirit of rebellion, um, you know, doing a bit of a, like, copy-paste, but doing it in a, you know, lighthearted, tongue-in-cheek, satirical manner, in which got people kind of thinking, thinking in different ways. Uh, and I think that has always been kind of the, the power of crypto. And for me, that was the, the power of crypto
0: artists. So in short, you explained what inspired you and what sort of problem Mocha is solving. So how was the journey when you started in 2020, I believe?
2: Yeah, you know, I uh, was asked in February of 2020 to look at super rare, um, and I just kind of fell in love with what I was seeing. I had been familiar with NFTs since since 2017 and kind of understood the architecture, uh, but there was a there was a valid artistic statement, and I think a collective movement <laughs> that was uh, occurring at the time that I I knew I wanted to be a part of. Um, So the museum was founded in April of 2020, two months later. I think by then I had probably collected, you know, a hundred pieces of art and um, was really just enjoying getting to know all of the unique characters, uh, you know, the the different types of artists having these direct conversations, what motivated them, why they were doing it. And I saw something that was just inherently valuable. you know as things grew and expanded mocha always became you know kind of this place where those early artists knew that the i think initial philosophies of that time were embodied and kept in kind of this community spirit uh a very artist forward um and kind of progressive institution that that you know kept kept to the values when the market was going crazy
0: Interesting. You said you invited to look at SuperRare. So what has been your background? What did you do before sure.
2: 2020? Um, you know, I, I studied in New York City economics and psychology. The first job out of school I, I did was investment banking. Um, I did that for all of six months uh, before I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was offered a position uh, with United Nations Capital Development Fund. Building an infrastructure bank in East Africa, uh, did that for two and a half years, wanted to go back into the private sector. So I had joined a, a wealth management firm founded by vegan Buddhist. It was all, how do you begin to kind of value align your money? Um, you know, saw kind of the, the limits of what that looks like and was offered to run the U S family office for, uh, a foreign family in, in which we were doing, um, more angel and, and venture investing in, in green energy and, um, you know, agriculture and you know, looking over some of, of their various businesses and, and assets. Um, and it was during that time that I was introduced first to, uh, Ethereum and kind of had the, the the right backgrounds to, um, I think, understand it quickly and be able to participate. Um, I was really intrigued by what it meant for, uh, capital to begin to move more freely and for people like myself to be able to kind of take that first initial investment into these, you know, types of corporations, these were opportunities that were previously Uh, really just reserved for the wealthiest of people, Um, you know, and here I was from home uh, being able to participate as an angel in, in all of these ideas. So for me, that was really interesting. That was really disruptive. Um, And it was, it was powerful as, you know, as far as capital formation alongside community formation and uh, aligning incentives from, from very early on. so you know i I did that in parallel with that position um mm-hmm.
0: yeah, you came in from the finance and investment side. <laughs> what is art for you um you know i uh,
2: <clears throat> you know, I recognize that I think you know we exist in a increasingly kind of cold and and capitalist worlds and I think art is almost like the last bastion of free speech and free expression um, where people can, you know, make powerful statements and not be attacked for it because art is is sanctimonious. Uh, it, it holds this special place in society that allows people to be um, you know, more more free thinking and creative uh, and I think we desperately I think this world desperately needs that. I think it needs more people thinking creatively, offering new solutions, awakening to new possibilities. I think there is a lot of uh, conforming and, and not so much striving to to make substantive change. And I want to see substantive change. And I think it's really the art that provides both like the mirror and the door for people to move. Uh, their minds and the way they they think about
1: things.
0: You're in New York. It's one of the cultural capitals of the world. Growing up, what impressions of art did you have? Did you go to museums or yeah, you know? Graffiti?
2: I, I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, my mother was a ballet teacher, uh, so certainly dance was was prevalent in the family. I went to numerous. Uh, dance recitals I do you know we did a a little bit of travel Um, so you know I wouldn't say but it was probably really when I got to New York um, and you know I went to Columbia and they have one of they have the I think most rigorous what they call core curriculums which is kind of a study of the evolution of, of western thinking and humanities uh, and that was when I really began to appreciate more like arts and culture and, you know, California is such a new history, but, uh, once you are like in New York and I was traveling to Europe, um, I got to just kind of experience it so much more and understand, you know, what these artifacts represent and, um, yeah. And I think that was, that was the basis for so much of what is. Now, what is coming now.
0: What do you think art does for the society, for the world?
2: Um, I think it just lets people be more of themselves. Right? I think it is, uh, you know, it's an out pouring of unspoken expression that points to the places where collectively we are going. I think artists are given the freedom to kind of explore the abyss of the unknown and report back and I think now, especially in times of of exponential technological change in which so much of the human experience is shifting, it really depends on the artist to go explore to tell about the implications of, of, what they're seeing and to kind of communicate it in ways that other people can, can understand, you know, uh, otherwise, otherwise, you know, who else is leading? Well, it's the corporations, right? And they have a much different agenda as to what they are trying to produce and to sell and to capture. Um, with their products and kind of with people being treated as consumers, but also products, right? There is a, there's an inherent humanness to, I think, the artistic experience that these, these corporations will never um, be able to capture
1: and communicate.
0: From the corporate life and your extracurriculars in the college and your visit to Europe, How did you think of like becoming a museum, like preserving the history? What got that switch?
2: Um, You know, I think the the genesis of the idea was, uh, you know, first going into these these metaverse worlds and seeing nothing but green grass and blue sky. Right. And believing that we were kind of moving into spatial web, but that it was, uh, at this time, undeveloped. So, you know, me, if I could plant kind of a a stake in the ground or a flag in the ground, you know, the idea was to say that these are spaces for independence. Like we reject the hyper-commercialization of these spaces and we want them to be art forward and designed by the artists. So, You know, that was really the initial goal of the museum to begin to present beautiful art in these spaces and to begin to offer artists land where they could develop and explore, um, showcase their work, showcase kind of art as architecture, um, and really explore the, the beauty of what it means to create unbounded by like the physical constraints of gravity, uh, and you know, I think all of that was uh, a, a major step forward in how art is expressed, is produced, and is an indicator of how, you know, the you know, generations to come will will be having experiences, art experiences.
0: Art to experience. We have I have a set of met- questions related to metaverse. But before that, on your website, you have mentioned two questions. What is art and who decides? So who we have talked, what is art? Who decides? Why this question?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is I think our museum is an inversion of the traditional power structure of a physical museum. Right. These are very hierarchical in which decisions are made top down about which artists are the best, which artists get displayed, what solo shows they want to be doing in a year's time. Um, And, you know, that programming. the beauty of the digital is the responsiveness that we have and the tools that we can build to, to aggregate like the opinion of people in real time. So, whereas a museum might, you know, need six months, a year longer to kind of plan a solo exhibition, Well, I can, I can produce an online digital exhibition in uh, a week's time. And, you know, and that's being very generous. I could do it in a day if, you know, I spent the whole day doing it. So, you know, how we are responsive to culture, how we get at broader truths, how we eliminate individual biases uh, speaks to a new way in which People will be curating the art that speaks to them and curating the cultural moments that speak to them instead of the, you know, broadly 90% like Western white male canon that exists historically across these museums. So it's speaking to, you know, the idea that there is broader creative expression that is worthy of being held in these places called museums uh, and, and, you know, being preserved and talked about.
0: It takes a week for curation in the crypto space so how how is your process for curation?
2: well, you know we've we've developed a a kind of a full curatorial set of tools um, you know my idea is to effectively make myself as a curator redundant um, so. You know, we give people the ability to add any artwork to a community collection, right? We build these 3D architectures uh, in which people can move artwork into uh, installations and then go deploy them in any metaverse of their choosing. Um, You know, we have the ability for people to collaborate together and build shows together in these architectures. So, you know, for me, it's, it's less... You know, uh, what I care about, and I really try to not have uh, my own individual bias kind of seep into the curatorial practice of the museum. Um, But, you know, when we are asked to curate shows, generally it's thematic. Generally, we try and um, represent what we think is either on the fringe of expression, or uh, you know, showcase those who we haven't showcased before. Um, you know, the core of our collection is the the Genesis collection, which is the only uh, basis for the the single rule to be in that collection is that you it's one work from one artist who minted prior to December twenty twenty. So we believe that participation in the movement. Um, was really just the the art itself before it became a market movement. So having like that aligned philosophy um, was was so much of uh, the the power of of what would come. Um, so it's really not a a judgment on perhaps the art itself, because I think for non technical people who aren't creating with this tool set, it's oftentimes very difficult to discern uh, what is, quote unquote, the, the best art.
0: Again, coming back to the question about who decides. So you said before the only rule for the genesis was artists who have done before 2020. Yep. So what about artists after 2020 and how... Or somebody who's listening to this live how how can they participate and be a part of it
2: uh so the the curation tools are open to anybody right that that speaks to the movement being um, inclusive and accessible so anybody can begin to add their work to our community collection from there anybody can go and put that artwork into uh, these brooms they can deploy them into Metaverse they can say you know. I've created this exhibition with the Museum of Crypto Arts Toolkit. uh, And for me, that's just as valid. Uh, So, you know, anybody has the ability to uh, participate in in the museum in uh, a a way that they might best see fit. The the movement was always about kind of inclusion and access um, and, you know, hearing what others were interested in more than what we were interested in. Um, so all of our curation tools are free to use. Uh, people can upload their own artworks into our community collection. From there, these artworks can be brought into what we call our Mocha Rooms, uh, which are these 3D architectural objects. And then they can be brought um, you know, into a, a metaverse world of their choosing. Uh, so we have this very efficient Pipeline in which anybody can upload their work, put it into a room, go put it in the metaverse and invite people to see it in this way.
0: It's basically like decentral land where people can, or crypto voxels where people can just build their worlds and show their artworks. Isn't yep. it?
2: Except we reduce the architectural elements, the needed time to kind of build something beautiful. We have a a network of architects that build those objects and in instances offer them as CCO. So all you really need to do if your specialty is, you know, digital painting or digital drawing and you have your NFT is just upload that work. And you don't need to spend time in something that you might not have the expertise in, like the the metaverse architecture.
0: Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Do you charge for this? No. It's open for all anytime anybody wants to showcase. That's
2: correct. Yeah. And you can find all of the tools at app.museumofcryptoart.com.
0: Amazing. I'll put the links in the description. Check it out. Museum's role is also to promote artworks and have these shows and exhibitions for the footfall. So how do you do that? Or how, is it scheduled or? Can you dig us through that?
2: Yeah, um, you know, I would say more than six months ago, we hired a director of programming, Julian Brangold, uh, who has been putting on uh, in, incredible shows, uh, mostly with uh, artist collectives in the space. We did a, a very popular one uh, with a group called Making It Twenty Four Seven. I think you know more than the individuals we like to focus on on the groups that are doing this i know we have you know an incredible exhibition upcoming with the verse verse uh and are doing a series of programming um uh with a a guest curator una um so you know it's it's regular programming i i know his desire is to transition uh into more artist built worlds uh if that makes sense as opposed to just the installation of the architecture with kind of the more traditional jpeg or mp4 on the wall he wants to have more artist built experiences in which the art is part and parcel with the uh yeah the experience of of being in that world
0: you know, you as you're speaking, it reminds me of this place in Ahmedabad in India. It's it's called Ahmedabad ni Kufa. It's built by B.V. Doshi uh, with this famous Indian painter. Uh, it is M.F. Uh, Hussain I'm talking about. M.F. Hussain and B.V. Doshi have built it. So it's... The whole place is an experience because there are no straight beams or columns. Everything is sort of haywire. and different domes are there on top of it. And the work of uh, MF Hussain is on the walls. So it's a real-world experience of this. And it's a good idea from our listening from you uh, that engaging the artists themselves to build an experience around it. So can you walk us through the process of how that is done or how do you take care of so many artists if they want to... Build all their individual worlds.
2: Yeah, you know, I, um, we have been building recently more in Hyperfun, uh just because it is so collaborative and, and so easy to use. Uh, so, you know, a wonderful example, um, you know, would be there was a Colombian artist by the name of Stephanie Layton who uh, does these 3D. Uh, flowers and and kind of gardens. And she had put something into on cyber that I had experienced. And I said, like, look, you know, I, I love your work. But when it is trapped in kind of like this, this white box rectangle, I don't feel that it's like as expressive and exploratory and powerful as it could be. So I asked, like, do you do you want, you know, I can rent you one of these worlds to just go explore. And um, she did. And she created the most uh, beautiful uh, exhibition, I believe it's kind of hyperfi.io slash flowers never die.
0: You know, um, let's have a look at it as we are sharing you can sh- you have an option to share screen, if you're on it, and then you yeah, know, let's, we all can have a look at it together.
1: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, share, let's just share a window. Yeah. You know, so, so here you are, this is, you know, this, this work, the kiss, um, right. So this is kind of like what happens when the art is detached from, uh, the white traditional like rectangle
0: So where where is the artwork can you like tilt the screen up so i see kiss written on the wall so yeah. are we in the are are we walking inside the work which is the case? Yeah we
2: are walking inside the work right so mm-hmm. all of these kind of 3d you know flower installation she does by hand um, Right. And this one is animated so that these two kind of come together.
0: Wow. Oh, right. though, though they become a figure and they're actually kissing. This is so cool. Yeah. I didn't realize it. I didn't realize it until the last moment when they kissed. <laughs> <caged
2: her. laughs> yeah, it's, it's um, you know, and she sculpts all of these in in VR and in 3D. Yeah. Um, So you can continue moving into these uh, installations. Wow. You know, Cemetery of Forgotten Dreams.
0: Beautiful. So all these... So there's an entry into the artwork, which has the name on it. And then once you go through it, you're seeing the work. Exactly. Wow. So... beautiful yeah how many people at once can be there and watch this
2: oh you know we've I've had instances where there's about thirty people at least um, I've never I've never particularly pushed pushed the limits there.
0: No, even like 30 people is also very good. Like it gives the actual museum or gallery experience. It's not like a one single player thing that you just go and see or uh, watch around. So anything that better than that is a very good experience. Yeah. And I mean, very- the, beauty,
2: the beauty of it is that these, you know, these installations and exhibitions, they exist asynchronously. So anybody at any point can jump into this um, and experience it on their own time and terms. and. You know, there is something very nice about having an opening where people gather and and collectively kind of walk through these. Um, but, you know, the the fact that it just is always available to access is very, very cool.
0: It's very interesting that you showed us the KISS, because when we had uh, Belvedere Museum, they are the owners of the KISS, the original artwork. Oh, and they really?
1: Have... <laughs> That's they great. actually
0: made NFT of the KISS, the original painting. They yep. made NFT of the KISS and uh, they, that was available. and It's also still available. You can see the link to get. So it is such a synchronicity moment. So as we are, we are comparing old and new and futuristic, and we both talk about the KISS in both the scenarios. So yeah, that was the traditional 2D. And this is the KISS in action in 3D and animation coming together yeah beautiful yeah <laughs> i had pulled up your website but as you all uh, we are already doing this it would be wonderful if you can take us through the website and uh, first sure. take us to the rooms
2: yeah i mean we can even you know we could even curate something now together if we wanted
0: oh absolutely that would be so cool
2: yeah let's go to screen and we can go to museum of crypto art um so you know this is this is our DAP. we have we we'll, we'll start in the DAP um, you know this is uh the three hundred and forty well, there's now probably closer to three hundred and seventy we have to we have to update this um
0: can it can you just hold on? I wanted to comment on this piece because I really love it. Sure. the balloon the balloon piece ah, <laughs> uh, this one it is so beautiful and such uh, Intellect used to create this simple, yet beautiful and amazing. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. It is, uh, that is the very first mint from uh, the artist Slime Sunday. Wow. Um, So, you know, what what you see in this is you see a broad representation of of styles and, uh, you know, a, a bit of kind of the wildness and the roughness that was the early days of crypto art. Um, you know, a couple months back, we received the, the largest single donation to the museum. It was 70 works of art, um, mainly from, you know, African, Middle Eastern, uh, East Asian artists from mm-hmm. a, a wonderful friend, I email Um, you know, all of these, you have the, the ability to kind of come into Let me just make sure we're on Polygon Um,
1: and oh, why let's see.
2: So, you know, if you want, you can leave a, uh, an on-chain like, uh,
0: Amazing. Yeah. On chain, like the comments and likes are on chain. All this the comments and likes innovative. are on
2: chain. So, you know, we can say just, uh, you know, stunning photograph. And that will, uh, it will live with the artwork forever. Forever. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, I think, you know, an, an interesting feature. Um
0: so like small features like this make you uh really futuristic and very innovative. Our like, our <laughs> developer
2: team is world class. Uh and the amount of passion that they've poured into this project is is incredible. Um you know, so then wow. you go into the community collection and you can see you know 9,204 NFTs uh that have been added by I wonder if you'll be able to see uh, let me share this tab instead, you know, we have a, an analytics dashboard of the, you know, amount of activations and users that have been in the ecosystem. Um, so you know, almost 4000 users at this point. Uh, and these are the works that they have added. it. Um, you know, to to the collection. So this is a wonderful place when, you know, I'm looking to kind of explore and find new things that I go because this is, you know, these are the things that other people have have chosen.
0: Question: uh, Yep, the one before this, the about three hundred, four hundred artworks. Those yep. were all before 2020, or uh,
2: the ones that daim donated were. A mix, um, but there's about 270 that are in what we call the Genesis collection, uh, mm-hmm. that were all from artists who minted prior to 2020.
0: Oh, so even yeah. if you discover an artist now but who has minted works before 2020, even they will be accept, ex- accepted they, in it, they would
2: be accepted, yes. Wow, um, and and all of those pieces that you saw, those are owned by the the museum as a foundation and nonprofit. Um, none of these nine thousand two hundred and four NFTs are owned by the museum, um, mm-hmm. but you know we can still. Uh, it's almost like people have given us permission to kind of display sure, and yes. exhibit these
0: exactly in the previous one in the genesis have you purchased all of them or what is the ratio of donation and purchased uh everything has been donated oh
2: everything has been donated you know i donated maybe 150 um and then you you...
0: bought and donated that's correct yeah that's correct um so it's so difficult to find a work before 2020 and uh, most of these works are donated so that's a pretty cool yeah they uh, say
2: every year the number of nfts has basically uh that are created has has increased by basically 10x um so it's it's very difficult to you know there's very few Mm. nfts that were minted in those early days (laughs) compared to just now at
1: least
0: Probably this air will go down. It won't be ten. A.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, right. But so still
0: we are all witnessing it.
2: <laughs> yep. So here I, is kind of what we call the you know the mocha multipass. Um, mm-hmm. this allows people to begin to kind of curate their collection into different uh, sub tabs, right? Something that like OpenSea. Uh, has, has started to play with, but you can kind of see some of, you know, the works that I might have bought on super rare, for example, the moon cats. Um, and these are the ones that, you know, I've added to the community collection. Um, you know, this is going to be kind of when we get into, well, I guess we'll show Mocha shows first. Um, so this is where you can invite, uh, people to, um, you know, put put shows together. Uh, so mm-hmm. this was one that was created by you know our members of Art Blocks artwork. You know, these are yeah. of course open to everybody, uh, and you know you can begin to play these and uh, begin to kind of scroll through what these works look like. Or, you know, if you want, you can kind of do it as a infinity scroll. Mm. If, if you just kind of want something interesting on the background, uh, we can go so here. This, so this was done Mokash,
0: by... Yep, Mokash show is a 2D exhibition. Like this is a it's... 2D
2: exhibition, right? So we have 22 collaborators in this one. Um, working off of two collections from Art blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go back.
0: You were talking, you, talk, you spoke about Mocha Pass, the one you showed before this, or I think this is the one, right?
2: Yeah, the Multipass.
0: Multipass. So what, what is Multipass and who is it for?
2: Yeah, so this is for people to begin to just, this is how you add work into the community collection. Um, you know, so to prevent kind of spam, uh, people are allowed to, you know, go into their, uh, wallets and activate up to, you know, 10 NFTs every day. Um,
0: by activate, you mean show or display there?
2: Correct. Right. So I can basically it's just giving permission for them to for our api to kind of pull them into our ecosystem and be able to read them
0: okay so every day they have a limit of 10 artworks that they Mm. can upload and display
2: that's correct yeah uh but once you do this again this is kind of a this is an on-chain you know Mm. transaction that is uh you know forever so Mm. let's
1: see
0: So you're basically minting by uploading your minting. It's not like a web page where you're displaying other NFTs minted on other platforms. So it's Um, basically minting on this.
2: This is is everything that's in your collection. So this is, uh, these have already been minted by other people.
0: On Ethereum, on Tezos, or which blockchain? Uh,
2: It's, I believe, just on Ethereum. There might be Ethereum and Polygon. Mm
0: Mm-hmm so um, wherever they have minted no matter if super rare or foundation or opensea it shows up here correct yeah
2: okay. so you know here's like the foundation contract for example
0: <clears throat> so the pass is what is the uh, is it what is the cost of the pass
2: uh, you know at at this point i think you just need one mocha uh, which is going to be eighteen cents.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, Mocha is your token.
2: Yes, Mocha is the is the museum's token.
0: Mm-hmm. As we're talking about tokens, does it give more utility if they are holding more tokens, or is just one?
2: Uh, it does, right? So, kind of in this leaderboards, there is. Um, you know, the idea of mocha points. um, You know, so these are kind of the the people who have, I guess, contributed the most to the museum mocha points is an aggregate of different things, including, you know, how much you're staking, how many likes and comments you've left. Um, If you have certain poops from doing the the missions in our discord, Mm-hmm. Uh, these Mocha points are, are an aggregate of kind of your participation in the museum and mm-hmm. Mocha points is, um, well, we can kind of get into that more when we get into the rooms, but Mocha points yeah. are, are basically how we begin to decentralize governance and decision-making around curation, around how rooms are, are shown and showcased. Um, mm-hmm. So it's you know it's a pretty it's a pretty deep tech stack. Uh, if you'd like, we can move on Absolutely. to let's
0: let's go to Mocha Rooms. I, yep. I I quickly want to comment on this. So the amount of tokens you own, and the more actively you participate in the initiatives of uh, this museum, the more points you get, and those points you can utilize. In the governance or in the decision-making of the museum? Correct. Is that... Yeah. Okay.
2: Um, you know, so the idea is that the the collection of all of these rooms that have been created and all the rooms that will be created in the future is what kind of the physical representation of the museum will become. Right? And What
0: do you mean by physical representation?
2: Uh, is basically you know when people step into let's say a future metaverse and they go to experience this the ordering of the rooms will be determined by the governance uh and it i guess i guess it's not physical right but the the embodiment of the museum would be in the expression of how these rooms are kind of stacked and ordered uh and, mm. you know, given priority to kind of like which artwork is seen.
0: Mm. So that's, a, that's a way of curation, which works you want to keep in the front and which will be at the other parts so that people can walk around and see. Totally. So does that depend on the mocha points or is this first come first thing?
2: No. So this, this does depend on the mocha points, right? So I have here, you know, whatever, almost I have 668,000 and change mocha points. Um, So I can begin to allocate points to different rooms here, and that determines the room's ranking, right? So oh. Agora is like the main building of the museum. Um, And right now it has the most points. So in this world, this would be kind of the first expression, the first room of the world that people want to, would go into, right? You know, the next one that they would see, uh would be this one that renee the cto owns that was done by the architect walt uh and then this next one that they would experience would be uh this one owned by a tono done by a polygonal mind um so that's kind of how you know we can begin to allocate these governance points and how that feeds into the expression of of the curation which rooms are shown and which artwork in those rooms
0: is shown this can somebody put in all their points for their own museum?
2: Of course, yeah, yeah, of course they can. Um, you know, I
0: want to compliment on how cool this is—the decentralized way—and the I wanted to I wanted to go and ask about this question on community, but yep. this is something more than a Discord. We like I've heard community, and it just ends at Discords and commenting on each other. But this is really something in action. But decentralized power and DAO, as you say, for voting at things to be presented, which is which is very logical and obvious, or like it gives proper utility. It's not something uh, to be encast in future. It's happening right, real time in right now. Right. Thank
2: you for that. Yeah, it's uh, you know this is technology that's been built uh, over the past two years, and you know it's it's I think really really powerful. Um, you know, so this is what kind of a, a, you know, the room that I own looks like. This is, you know, the the artwork that I've put on the walls. Uh, we can begin to put different work on the walls. So maybe instead of, I don't know what we would want to do. Maybe let's just say we want to uh, do a an art block show. Let's see if I have this. So I can go can I- back. Yeah. Go okay. ahead.
0: Quickly, before we get on this topic, one question related to the previous sure. one about listing and ranking. We spoke about decentralization, but as founders, you'll naturally have more points, right? You have been in there since the beginning. Totally. So it sort of becomes centralized. What do you think? The people who have joined in early or the CTOs or people who are more e- active, is na- but naturally the the team working behind it. Yeah. I mean, look,
2: you know, I, I call it a DAO in transition, right? (laughs) You know, I think we have to, we have to, we have some responsibility to steward it in an ethical way and in the vision that, that we see fit. But at the same time, we're not trying to like overpower the decision that people want, right? We want people to be participating. We want them to be in here. We want them, you know, expressing what they're passionate about, um, so our goal is, is, you know, really to kind of just build the technology and then for the most part to, to kind of like step out of the way and, and let people do with it what they want.
0: Mm. So have you set up rules that uh, these decisions, the, or the team, the Mocha team doesn't touch on these decisions or doesn't vote over here? or How, how is it that you said you want to give uh, opinions or, of others a priority, but when you're owning most of the... Coins, your veto has a lot of weight, right? So, sure, is there a mechanism for that? Um,
2: you know, I don't think there is at this point a formal mechanism. I think a lot of the expression of the mechanism that you see now is really just us as our team beginning to play with it and beginning to use it, um, and making sure that it does work. I think you know the the full realization of this tech will continue to take years. Uh, the full distribution of the Mocha token will continue to take years. Um, but I have no personal desire to go build a decentralized museum and then be like an autocrat <laughs> about what happens. You know that doesn't that doesn't really serve the purpose.
0: Um, so what? your your experience with you and how did i'm pretty sure it has some dots connecting in the looking at the past so <laughs> yeah if... yeah
2: you know i uh we certainly need to we need to build the tech we need to test the tech um but we didn't build this for us to go like play museum you know we want everybody else to to have that experience
0: mm. um, Okay, so this is us this is your space what what this, do you call this room
2: this is a you know this is a room that I own um you know, I just went into uh you know this community collection that we saw before, so this isn't even necessarily art that I own oh. um right, so you know maybe we can put this gazer. Here and then, you know, we'll go over to here and, um, you know, maybe we can put like this crypto New Yorker from Bright Moments, and then maybe we want to like change, change what we're displaying, and maybe we want to, um, I don't know, put some cyber brokers in here, so we have cyber you know,
0: brokers.
2: Do you do you know this yeah. community? No. Uh, It was um, kind of a PFP project done by one of the earliest crypto artists, Josie Bellini.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Everything also on chain. Uh, So, you know, we can put a couple of those up, right? Then we can go, uh, let's see what else is in here. Maybe we'll go back to kind of uh, one of the collections that we saw before.
0: So, so, you like, can build a room and display works if you have owned it or from the community collection.
2: Yeah, or even from like the permanent collection of the museum. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can show what's in your multi pass, you can show what's in the shows that you've participated in, or you can kind of show what's in like the permanent or community collection. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, can you just uh, zoom out a bit as this is only possible in the museum, you can see the pillars. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. The, yeah. the
2: broken columns. Um, yeah.
1: You know, and then,
2: and then it can just kind of like, we want to go to 11 can snap right back in. Uh, you know, this is, oh, we just did that one. You know, art does not equal profit. Uh, and then, you know, we can go. We can save this. Uh, we can save the curation on chain.
0: You can save the curation on chain.
2: Yep. Wow. Uh, so this becomes kind of like a, you know, a permanent mark of of the room that you know this this was a curation that we did at this time uh, mm-hmm. during during this podcast. Uh, the oh. subgraph is behind, but it but it will. You know, and this was done in a partnership, uh, a grant that was given to us by Filecoin. Uh, so all of this is, is stored uh, on IPFS and it becomes a bit of like a a way back machine. Um, mm. From here, you know, I can download the, the curated room. Uh,
0: the downloaded file is in what format?
2: It's a GLB.
0: Uh, okay, so it's 3D and you can watch it. You can open it in Blender or whichever.
2: Yeah. So, <laughs> Which you know, what you. I just, I guess, for illustrative purposes, I can share this tab and just kind of show how easy it is to go, um, you know, into a new HyperFi world. And, you know, here we are in this blank world. Uh, you know, I can bring the museum room in. I need to kind of get out of the way. Um, Wow. Right? And then, you know, you just make it collidable. And then, you know, suddenly all the artwork that you've curated is here. Mm. And, you know, other people can begin to explore it. Um,
0: This is absolutely fascinating. A bookmark of not just artworks, like we speak about NFTs as permanently on the blockchain as bookmarks of art but this is a whole experience uh, bookmarked uh, on the blockchain
2: right you know and we just did you know we just did this in in real time so you know some something could happen people could make a bunch of you know art for whatever charity you know maybe uh you know, the war in Ukraine. They they do the art in a day. They all upload it to the collection. They make this show. You bring it into this, and you can deploy it, and have a show in you know in the metaverse, uh, within a day, mm. right? And you can invite people in. You can showcase the art like this. Um, you know what's cool about this is, right? We can scale this uh, five times larger.
0: Mm. How does one start making a? room like from the scratch uh you know there
2: are different architectural programs um the ability to like make and create and mint rooms uh within our museum ecosystem is open to everybody i have never made a room um we have this incredible can you show us
0: where the where the tab is for for uh starting you making a room
2: yeah, so I think if you go to learn more about rooms, we'll share this, you know, I'll I'll just start here and say we have this incredible wiki mm. uh, with all of the information that anybody could ever desire uh, about the museum. Um, mm. but we'll go back to kind of the, the rooms tab. Um, So here, you know, our CTO brought the rooms into Fortnite uh, (laughs) and was flying around. So, you know, we can. So all to say that, you know, these these rooms are meant to travel and kind of Mm. go across. I am sure.
0: So. uh, these are NFTs in themselves. So can people build it and sell it and buy it? Correct. That's correct.
2: Um, so just to kind of control the supply, what we did is we forked the noun style contract. Um, so we can share this tab. Um, you know, so I can let's see if I'm in so every time a you know an auction is is settled, a new floor is generated. You can kind of go back and, and see, you know, these are the sizes of the rooms. Um, mm-hmm. So you know now there's a 24 hour auction for room or for floor 345, uh, and people use those to uh, claim these rooms. Oh. So people will build rooms of different sizes. Um,
0: I saw on the website the floor number 16 was sort of on auction or it, it it was popping up. Yeah. So, so
2: so that number speaks to the, uh, the number of artworks that can fit in it. Oh, right. So this one will hold 16 artworks. And just for example, like the room that I have here this week, we call it the temple. Um, can hold thirty-two artworks.
0: What is the difference between a floor and a room?
2: Uh, so a floor is basically the the token that allows you to claim a room. Um, you know we're we're kind of cleaning up this ecosystem, but that was effectively the 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 room pass. The floor uh, was basically the min pass to be able to to claim these rooms.
0: Is it? like a landlord and a tenant situation where somebody owns the floor and it gives out rooms for other people to build on it. Is it like Uh, that?
2: No, no, it's just one-to-one. Right. So what happens is, uh, do we have, we don't have any raffles live, but just to kind of make it fair, you know, uh, there was a raffle system to, to claim a room. Um, so, you know, in this very first one, eight people participated to claim this first room and they mm. used their their floor token to be able to try and, and win that raffle.
0: Mm. So, raffle, in other words, is like a lucky draw. There's a selection of a pool and one person is picked out at a random and they win it. That's uh, correct. So, again, the floor, who owns the floor? You said auction and sale on it. So,
2: yeah. So, you know, whoever whoever basically wins um the do, do 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 do. So, at at this point right there have been 345 floors created, which mm-hmm. will translate in the future everybody is is going to claim a room from those floors. Uh but basically you know, there's only been one to I think like forty rooms that have been created.
0: Um, is floor? I mean, is museum like a real estate builder who is selling floors, and then the floors are being used by? So the uh, way that we artists. support,
2: yeah, the way that we support the the foundation, uh, is through the uh the. The, the floor auctions right mm. that's basically how we pay the the tech team and how we mm. continue to like support all of this curation technology.
0: Um, mm. that was one of my question um, Belvedere Museum we earn they earn millions of rupees just by the footfall and they have patrons. So yep. how does Mocha make their money?
2: Yeah it's it's through this right It's through you know in normal museums people sponsor different rooms um you know patrons of the arts sponsor different rooms well in this case we uh are giving people rooms of the museum to you know to if they support us they get a room and uh they can showcase whatever exhibition they want uh as you know as the museum of crypto art.
0: from a collector's view what do they get for owning a floor So they have to own a floor, right? They are buying the floor.
2: Uh, They they you know you buy a floor and then you use that floor to claim a room.
0: Uh, I am not getting it. There are sixteen rooms in a floor. The collector buys the whole floor. No, 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 no. Still has to collect.
2: There's sixteen artwork slots.
0: Okay. 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 Right.
2: So. right so this is basically like saying this is like a generic floor plan right mm. it's a promise that you will get a room with 16 artwork slots in it uh mm. now you know so it's a,
0: basically a floor plan of the room it's not a floor plan of the level of a building where there are different rooms so it's basically correct. the room yes yeah, okay. so it's one floor equals one
2: convinced. equals one room um yeah yeah it's okay. You know, so this is like the probability that these
0: will come, um, hmm. and so they have they, the collector buys a room, and they can showcase whatever <laughs> the artwork they want in that um in that plan sixteen they can have sixteen uh, uh display spaces and all that. Yep. How does how does one person walking into a Mocha website? get to display their work on, on that, in that room or in the new room? How, how do they talk to the collector or like, how does it happen? You know, so
2: like, if you want your work to be discovered in this way, you can just add it to the community collection. Right. Mm. And then, you know, if somebody puts their work in the community collection and sends me a message, Hey, I'd love for you to like show this in one of, you know, in the room that you own. Well, I would definitely do that for them. Right, if they want to get together with like a group of people and and do an exhibition within the museum and just ask for me to put it you know in a room, uh I would be more than happy to do that right? They can mm. also go here to the playground and after they've done that, you know choose any one of these uh and they can go build you know their their own room
0: okay, so playground is a test run where you can build your own rooms and. Showcase your work and download, as we just saw. Exactly. And you can also have uh, your work displayed in a collector's room, where you can get more eyes on it. And
2: yeah, I mean, you know, you can you can definitely work with somebody who's collected a room already, but you don't have to. You know, you can mm. do it all. Uh, you know, all for yourself in this uh, in this playground section. Right. So let's just say, you know, maybe I wanted to do a curation of all things that were kind of like hand drawn or or painted or, you know, me and my friends wanted to get together to, um, you know, or you and your friends wanted to get together to do whatever mm. type of show. This uh-huh. really gives people the ability to to do all of that I... uh, and then mm. to kind of just download the room that they've done and, and deploy it anywhere just as easy as we did.
0: I really want to compliment once again. Aesthetically speaking, also this is so beautiful because in 2021 we used to talk about different ways of showcasing artwork. I'm an artist, so different ways of showcasing your artwork, and we used to go through <laughs> crypto uh, rooms, and right, uh, some other <laughs> right. So this uh, we have a couple of them now also, which are sort of 2D ish, but this is this is superb. Like the whole room is built out on yourself and this is truly 3D. It's not like a web digital version of a real world room. So kudos to that. Thank
2: you. Yeah, it's, um I think it's something that people don't even realize they, you know, have the ability to, to do in this way yet. Um So, you know, we got to get better with kind of marketing and explaining, you know, this is for for everybody. So how do you as your artwork? How do you get this in here? How does everybody begin to play around? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what we want. We want people, you know, bringing these rooms into whatever metaverse, you know, you can bring mm-hmm. these into Decentraland, you can bring them into Sondheim space. Um,
1: you know, you can... Wow. Uh,
0: I have one, one more question related to museum and then some questions on the fundamentals of uh, NFTs and metaverse. Sure. So as a museum as a museum's role is to preserve things in time or memories of that time period and it is very futuristic right 100 200 300 500 years in the future the significance of the museum will be there. so how are you how is your vision for the future and with mocha?
2: Yeah. You know, there's, I think there's two main goals here and I'm going to stop sharing my screen if that's all right.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Sure.
2: Um, You know, so one, I think decentralized technology uh, has the ability to, uh, or at least it has the robustness to make permanent what was once very impermanent, right? So when we begin to talk about like legacy, Uh, it is very likely that all of our on-train transactions will outlive us and continue to outlive us. Um, So, you know, my goal is for the museum to outlive me. uh, And my goal is to make myself kind of redundant in in this process. Um, And that is the technology that we are building for. Uh, So, you know, we have this incredible partnership with Filecoin in which every work that is uploaded to the community collection uh, is, is stored forever on, on IPFS redundantly. Uh, So that is kind of a way of ensuring that it is ongoing uh, and that legacy is preserved. And you know, as I said before, each of the curations that are done uh, is stored on chain immutably Mm -hmm. forever. So. You know, in 500 years, if the Ethereum blockchain is still around, people will have the ability, you know, perhaps to listen to this podcast and go back to, you know, whatever it was, 12 p.m. EST uh, on on June 11th in 2023, find that curation and be able to kind of recall that thing that we did in real time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, you know all of this is incredibly important to me because it speaks to legacy and it speaks to empowering other artists to, you know, cement and preserve their legacy. It speaks to people who care about art right now to prove it and to prove it on chain. Um, and you know, art exhibitions, physical art exhibitions come and go, uh, but these will Mm. be here forever.
0: Wow, timeless, uh, immortal in a way. That's a very good time to drop drop into the fundamentals. When we started, I mean, I started in 2021, the whole pitch for NFTs was, as we're talking, immortal and immutable. But as I went into deeper, I found out some loopholes in it. Mm. or There are some things which are, not that strong as much as we think or we want to think nfts is basically what ethereum is storing is just the transaction right who bought from whom at what time it is it is a senseless code until that media file is ato- associated with it and when we come about storing the media file it is on ipfs yep. ipfs is again a technology which is distributed like uh, torrent, like simplest example would be like torrent on different computers in, in, in fractions and then stored there. But that is not totally, uh, what do you say? There's a risk of on the IPFS and there are different IPS, uh, IPFS providers. So the, the thing that NFTs is built on do you think that's hollow, the IPFS and the storage part of it? And how do you think that would be immortal as you would like it to be? Yeah, I mean, that's
2: a good question. Of course, you know, there are artworks that are fully on-chain, right? So those can always be recalled and all of that data is is stored on the Ethereum blockchain. Um, you know, do I think there is an existential threat to IPFS... Filecoin, coin these these protocols failing um, you know not not particularly right and let's say just like if the internet goes down or if you know there's no electricity to continue to run these things well then the world at that point probably has has bigger problems um so you know i this is uh, it is a question that some of like the smartest, biggest people are tackling. Um, certainly Jason Bailey, art gnome with what he's doing at Club NFT. Uh, this is what we were trying to tackle with the idea of like preservation. Uh, how do we create redundancies of these artworks um, so that like the marketplace isn't the, the sole Entity responsible for preserving these works. That seems kind of silly because as we know, marketplaces come and go. Um, if you go to our medium page, uh the lead writer Max Cohen just uh wrote a, a long piece on a work that we own uh from Xcopy that was minted in 2018, 2017, 2018 on a now defunct marketplace called rareart.io. Um and the metadata, the IPFS metadata associated with that image is broken. Uh, so what does that mean to still have the token? Um, but it no longer points to the artwork because nobody, uh, supported, um, I guess, preserving it. So, you know, we know what that artwork was. We have the original files, but because it no longer points there, well, does that diminish that artist creating in that moment in time? Um. I don't believe so uh i think it's it's really you know the idea here is that like that moment of creation that signature that intent to kind of be here and be present uh and record that history is uh is very powerful and for me that that is the art, like the the Collective collaborative participatory nature of engaging in new models of, of value and new financial systems, um, and, you know, new ideas around what it means to like tokenize and authenticate and, uh, like take that ability to be more sovereign, both as an artist and an individual into one tent.
0: Amazing. I got to read that article. What I am taking from this is, again, community consensus. Even if the IPFS failed in that case or metadata file is broken, it is the community, again, which is validating it and calling it out that, okay, this is correct and this is true. This is what the traditional museums have been doing with uh, the old artworks and uh, of Da Vinci or other people and there are some experts which come and validate and tell which is wrong or right uh, from good or bad. They are doing a pretty good job these days as well if you see. Uh, I mean when we say community consensus we also go into If the artist is not that famous, we'll just go to the social media, right? To Mm. see if they have posted these works before on other platforms and seen at other places. But those are again, very centralized. And museums and traditional museums have also been using these techniques to have the... What we are talking about now is about provenance of the artwork. And this is another pitch or the selling point of NFTs that it maintains the provenance. So, my question is if traditional museums are also doing it so well, why is the need for NFTs and crypto art? Uh, I mean,
2: I I just, they might have done it very well for physical work, right? But we're moving into very rapidly into the digital, where the speed of creation and the responsiveness to uh, that creation is immediate, right? So, we need kind of base layer protocol level. Uh, containers that are, are doing this for us in real time. Um, you know, for example, right. Just take a, a viral meme. Nobody knows who created that meme. Nobody really cares. Right. But if somebody like mints it first, well, then they can always go back and say like, this was the original time that this was created, uh, you know, and foundation as a marketplace really built their marketplace on the back of going and finding those original meme creators and having them tokenize it now and saying, like, this is mine. I'm deriving the value uh, from it. So we all know how easy it is to, you know, copy and save and and post. And, you know, this problem will only continue to get worse. Right. And then if you add in, um, you know, like, AI and deep fake technology and right what does it mean to actually begin to authenticate something and know that it is coming from the person who claims that it is theirs well uh that that becomes in- massively massively important in the very near future
0: I I like that answer and um, it's real time and this medium of artwork needs modern solutions, and that's what is being provided with uh, NFTs. Another threat to NFTs and crypto itself comes from quantum computing. So do you still think NFTs are safe even with the quantum computing coming in? The whole concept of crypto and blockchain is based on that uncrackable code or proof of maintaining everywhere or even staking. So when quantum comes in, this can be easily uh overturn what, what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah i mean i think look if if quantum computers are able to break like SHA 256 encryption uh again there's there's much bigger problems than kind of them attacking crypto uh i think you know crypt encryption is upgradable um but can you
0: I... can you just tell us what is shard uh for the context of the viewers?
2: Yeah, SHA-256 encryption. I honestly uh, am not going to be uh, that...
0: Is, there, <laughs> is it... No, I mean, uh, how is it related to this conversation? Is it the in- encryption so, of so Ethereum
2: or... It's the encryption. I know it's the encryption of Bitcoin. Um, okay. Right, SHA-256. What does it say here? Cryptographic hash functions designed by, you know, the... United States National Security Agency.
1: Oh. Um,
2: and I know, you know, uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that these are the, the hash algorithms that Bitcoin uses to kind of in, encrypt. Uh, but so I, am, I, am a very, I am a very non-technical person. So,
0: so not just Bitcoin, it's important because it's the national security intelligence has made this and God. if... If, if, if uh, Quantum a condom can crack it, it is a bigger threat than this. For yeah, it is a okay.
2: broad encryption standard across the internet. And I imagine many of the messaging apps, I think probably when WhatsApp says it's encrypted end to end, it is using SHA 256 encryption. Um, so if this is broken, you know, what I imagine would happen is that, you know, they would mark, they would basically freeze from the, the point that it wasn't. They would upgrade the encryption standard and they would fork into the new encryption standard. right? It's not like quantum computing is just going to break all the encryption. Everybody's Bitcoins are going to be taken and then all of crypto gets liquidated, right? Um, you know, there would be a fork and an airdrop and an upgrade to a new encryption standards. Uh, and I think long before uh, that, I, I would imagine, um, you know, I, I <laughs> unless somebody, I, I would imagine probably a white hat would be working to upgrade all of the encryption standards to fit a quantum computing model before some rogue renegade actor just kind of wants to see
1: mm. kind
2: of the world burn. Mm. I don't so imagine clear. that they would have access to the technology first.
0: I love the way you put it. I mean, beautiful. Uh, it is, I mean, the white hats or the good cops would, uh, I mean, the people building it would have first access to it. And as much as thread quantum has to blockchain, that can that whole thing can be seen from other side that even quantum could improve the encryption, right? It could take yeah. it to another level.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the idea
0: amazing you talk you spoke about filecoin as your ipf provider how did how did you choose filecoin
2: um you know i i had been familiar with them since 2017 um and uh just kind of it 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 is almost you know i know uh like manifold for example uses arweave but IPFS is kind of what we consider to be the gold standard in the uh, NFT space as far as as storage. Uh, so I know Filecoin as an institution is also looking at and wanting to work with museums around preserving and archiving uh, digital artifacts. Now, you know, you go and look at what traditional museums are doing right now, and they are just like, Scanning documents and uploading it to JSTOR, which is a centralized repository. So there is so much room for traditional institutions to begin to benefit from like decentralized storage solutions. And that's basically what we told them. Like, let's begin to work together to pioneer how we preserve uh and you know, document and maintain digital artifacts. And then we can go together and we can go talk to any institution that you want and show them what the technology is doing. So that, that, that was it, you know, we, uh, because we're a new institution, because we get to be an experimental playground, right. Because we're not kind of tethered by a longstanding history. And, you know, we get to be first movers in a lot of what is going to eventually happen and the art experiences that I think people will eventually want. And we get to kind of share and bring those lessons to, to other institutions who are willing.
0: So between Artweave and uh, Filecoin, how did you choose? What is their advantage of Filecoin over Artweave?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I am not technical enough to know if, if there is, I just, I know that Filecoin is, um, like a more adopted protocol, uh, it, it has,
1: um, you know, you know. let's,
0: let's, let's do one thing. We let's have Filecoin as the guest. So our audience <laughs> can dive the details about IPFS because sure. this is an important question. Uh, unlike p- blockchains where everybody's doing it and the, the ledger is just maintained, somebody has to pay the bills for IPFS, right? Uh, for the electricity or for all these things, and uh, like OpenSea saves it on Google Drive. <laughs> yeah. IPFS, somebody has to maintain it, right? If if somebody if it stops maintaining, somebody has to recreate it. It has to be open, and there's a whole whole technology for it. RP was promising to just pay once and forever it will store. So I want to figure out, uh, and I think the best people to talk would be Filecoin about it. Uh, let's get let's get boy uh, back to Mocha and our guest, whose expertise and who has seen the crypto revolution and artwork. I want to talk to you about metaverse. Mm. Uh, what 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 are your thoughts on what is metaverse? Because it is not completely three D. It's people say it's still web two. It's just a virtual way of looking at things. It is not even connected. There are different metaverses which don't even connect. It's not like you can go from one place to other. So what is metaverse for you?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, metaverse is an extension and augmentation of reality, right? Twitter is as much a metaverse as anything else, right? It, it is being able to um, kind of step into realms that exist beyond uh, physical space. And get exposure to kind of different ideas, uh, you know. So a lot of these, you know, web two platforms or apps, uh, be it like Instagram or TikTok, these are all in my mind metaverses because you are extending your own reality in your exposure to other people's thoughts, other people's experiences, um, and that becomes like a meta extension of of your physicality. Now, I think. You know, the next step for us away from kind of the 2D web interface is the idea that we can move into more of a social and spatial experience. Uh, You know, we know that, you know, loneliness is an epidemic. Teen suicide is increasing. And I think largely this is because people are feeling disconnected and unconnected to each other through the technology that is is moving so if we are able to uh create more spaces in which people are able to like anonymously and comfortably explore different identities uh different environments different like exposures to for me like art art is what i aimed to provide right how do how does this art begin to communicate um like our closeness, our connection, our humanity to one another. And how does that create like a social experience, right? So I want people to come together. I want people to put shows together around things that they're passionate about. I want them to invite their friends into these worlds to experience that because that is facilitating a unique connection uh, where like not a single individual is more like the focus and center of attention as like an influencer, but where the arts and that collaborative effort is speaking to larger. And that is like almost a forgotten social construct of like our own need as humans to exist in community. I think, um, you know, broadly, uh, when like, I go back to, to the conversation. At the beginning of like the difference between what artists are tasked to do and what corporations are tasked to do well like the the need of capitalism and the need of corporations is really to make people either feel lonely or that they don't have enough so they can sell them something right to try and like fill that need um you know art on the other hand is meant to interrogate uh, these things so that people can ask questions about themselves and and grow.
0: Beautiful. Talking about different aspects on this. So major thing about Metaverse is the social aspect of it coming together and uh, doing things in a 3D way. Because social, if we just speak about social, we already have the Web 2 platforms, right? Right. Uh, and, and these things it is being able to interact virtually how would you um i mean when i hear on twitter spaces some people complaining are that when i joined in the selling point of metaverse was that i could buy my uh, skins in a game and use those skins or that gadgets or tools in some other games right. i own those things and i can use it in some other games but uh, we still haven't reached a phase where they are cross-connected or they are completely decentralized in a way. Like Metaverse are still owned by a corporation and they can pull the plug on it. So how do you think we'll reach the level we have reached with NFTs in Metaverse? Like totally interchangeable? Yeah, you, know, or... you
2: begin to think about like Fortnite and Roblox, even just Apple All of these are ring-fenced counter-strike, for example, right? All of these are ring-fenced ecosystems uh, in which it is to the benefit of the corporation to keep people inside their economy and spending money inside their economy so that they can tax them on each transaction that they do, right? So the way I see all of this developing is no different than how computer operating systems developed. And crypto is really the Linux. Crypto is really like, let's open source everything. Um, Let's have each of these composable building blocks. uh, And, you know, any other way would be like more of the Apple version of like, let's keep everything in the app store. Let's have developers in our ecosystem. Um, And, you know, at, at the end of the day, these are just kind of two divergent forks that people will eventually have to decide if they actually value ownership of you know the things that they're creating or if being within that ring fenced ecosystem and the distribution that that provides is more powerful than what they would be able to kind of generate in in more of an open world um so i think you know gaming companies will only respond if gamers begin to demand that they actually have ownership of these skins. And at this point, I don't think people know that they even have the option to have ownership of, of these assets.
1: Hmm.
0: So it's awareness that the that, that we come at. And that, these are very good questions to ponder on, right? These uh, for-profit come corporations are... Uh, providing better services and more convenience to people. That's why they are still there with it. That's why they don't really value ownership of digital assets. Uh, NFT is basically ownership of digital asset. Web3 is basically revolutionizing the ownership aspect of the internet. Right. So there, there, the problem is not that big, I think. I think we'll have, we'll need to have many more platforms going down to realize people (laughs) that I lost my, all the work to Instagram or Twitter after it, after it gone down, went down. Yeah. (laughs) You know,
2: that's, that's, it's a major like risk. You know, what happens when say you your a Twitter account is hacked and you lose access to all of those followers, right? It's you know there is kind of no carryover. there's nothing else you can do other than kind of start from zero um and it's not like crypto is perfect either because people's wallets get hacked all the time all of their assets stolen uh so you know we have to find again what is that right balance for each individual between like reliance and dependency on a centralized institution that kind of keeps those things and the responsibility that they want to have for like the safety and security of the assets that they control.
0: Oh, wow. uh, I, I really, in this throughout the conversation, I, I really like your uh, flow of explaining the concept. Like you are totally, you have gone very deep in it to be able to explain it this simply. Uh, I, uh, I, I like that so since web3 there i have been very fearful for all the uh, influencers and creators this podcast is on youtube and spotify and all the all the, all the audio places or platforms which are centrally owned so yep. i wasn't i was ignorant and i felt ignorant ignorance was a bliss because i didn't even think about what if youtube goes down uh, all all these followers and subscribers which people really value will go down with it so I never we never really thought about it, but that is a possibility. and then that's where the importance of uh, web 3. <laughs> web three comes in. So then you start wondering, right? should you really spend so much time and create your uh, following or your you're creating a whole existence, right? Yeah. Somebody uh, who has spent ten years creating Mr. Beast, for example. For his following on Twitter, on on YouTube, and all these things, and if the platform goes down, or if they just block your account for whatever reasons they give, whatever reasons they decide, it's it's gone, done. People might go into severe depression.
2: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's or, happened, you know. It's it it's happened. It's happened again and again, and you just, um, you know, I don't I don't necessarily have the answer there.
0: It's still to figure out. Work in progress. <laughs> we, right. uh, as as we need, but the the positive thing is we are still ready. We know what can happen, and uh, what Mocha is doing is we are ready. We are already implementing a parallel system for decentralization and preserving those aspects in in a with a new technology. So that is uh, Mocha with us. We spoke about Apple, and it's in the news, their VR goggle. And that's a big contribution and uh, something that we're waiting for, for it to add to this whole experience of visiting Metaverse and your Mocha rooms, for example, or the worlds that you'll build. Uh, What are your uh, comments on this new product of Apple? Yeah, you know... um...
2: Uh for me in 2020, you know, I had a a quest and that was what was getting me so excited, right? The idea that you could step into a new world and be so immersed in it that it, it was really hacking your senses, right? I'm less interested in like the browser-based experience. I want people to get lost in these worlds. Um, And, you know, I think the quickest neural pathway to the brain is through the eyes. Right? So, you know, that was, you know, in in 2020, in 2021, a lot of the work in the building that we were doing was in VR. Now, the fact of the matter is, is uh, you cannot get to distribution and scale at this time, through VR it doesn't it doesn't work so apple entering the space after eight nine ten years of research whatever it is is certainly interesting does it suddenly make it accessible to everybody no um but does it kind of provide like a a high level signal as to where we are headed and where we are going in five ten years uh perhaps you know i still question you know, the majority of people's desire and interest to transition away from a flat screen into a headset. Uh, and I wonder if this technology does tend to further isolate and alienate people from one another, but I'm, I'm curious to see. Um, I'm curious to see and I'm curious to continue to build technology that will find its fullest expression in these types of, of spatial VR, AR environments.
0: Amazing. And not just VR, but even AR, like right. carrying those filters around with you. Um, I'm very curious how it unfolds. One question related to that, you said what keeps you going, right? Like, what what do you want to see in the future? So these are not really good times. A lot of people are left and there are hardly 15, 20 transactions on foundation. right. What keeps you going? Even when- uh, look, you know,
2: I've never cared about the market, right? I think the, our, I think people who are compelled to create will continue to create. Um, you know it's uh, it was a, a, a major, major hype cycle right but the reasons that i'm here and the underlying philosophies of the technology and the people that are creating have not changed um you know we know we are in a broad-based generational transition into digital experiences digital environments uh you know they people will continue to demand that more of their experiences are produced and created in this medium um So do I want to continue to work alongside digital creators and finding like the biggest and best expressions as the newest technology develops? Absolutely. Right. So when I say the museum is is focused both on history and preservation and kind of documenting this flow of technology and how this art gets expressed. Yes, but it's also very much right like this forward thinking forward envisioning uh, think tank where we invite people to come in and work with us to experiment uh, and showcase and demonstrate where we're going. Um, So, you know, whether the market is alive or dead, it doesn't bother me because I'm, you know, I'm not really selling NFTs myself, but I want to continue to support like the people that are contemplating what it means for humanity to become so intertwined with the digital and the technology, and like the philosophical implications of what like this transhumanist ascendance means, uh, and again, for like individuals and artists to be leaders of this revolution as opposed to corporations,
0: individual and artists to be. Um, forefront of the revolution beautiful what would you suggest artists people, uh, artists who have come in with a lot of expectation have gone back to their usual thing and uh, not unsatisfied or unhappy about them not meeting their expectations what is a word of uh, motivation or encouragement you would give
2: Yeah, you know, I I think uh, one, you always have to, you know, never listen to the media, right? So like whatever you hear in the news is probably not going to be the real story, right? So if you were promised, uh, you know, untold riches and everybody was making astronomical sales, well, you know, the again, like the whole system that is created of media is meant for you to feel like you're not enough. Right. So then you go buy whatever, a new iPad to, to maybe become like a better artist or you go buy something, uh, to, to try and level up. Um, but you know, I don't think like genuine, I think genuine creative expression comes from doing more with less. Uh, and you know, that is always what has excited me so the you know there's only one thing to do and that's just to keep going um and to you know look at those feelings and identify the source of those feelings and figure out at what point you know why do you feel bad right do you feel bad because like somebody told you something that didn't turn out to be true? Do you feel bad because you're on social media and you're looking at other people making sales and you think that maybe that should be you, um, you know, in, in, in all instances, right. Emotions are a reflection of, of yourself and your inside. And it's an opportunity to kind of learn and grow and process. And, you know, once you have come to like an answer, well, then it's an opportunity to kind of like reflect and grow. So I would just say for anybody that's feeling bad, identify the source of the feeling <laughs> and then hopefully, you know, put it into a, to a piece of art, um, you know, and share that feeling because if you're feeling it, you're not alone. Uh, and the way that you, you know, explore it and figure it out and express it, maybe that will be helpful for everybody in kind of, you know, resolving the, the collective, uh I think there's probably a lot of collective trauma that artists are feeling around you know a false promise and expectations of what nfts were and could provide
0: wow you have a feature of art incubator on your place my understanding of incubator is uh, promoting marketing or other things taking care of other things for the artist uh, so they can focus on the art what is your uh, What what happens at your incubator?
2: Yeah, you know, so the origin of the incubator was, there were uh, 18 parcels of land in Somnium space that we were giving away to individual artists to go build exhibitions of their own. Um, Now the incubator has evolved into how do we uh, kind of provide, yeah, maybe like a, a marketing and promotional umbrella to either collectives of artists or DAOs um, that we are kind of vision and value aligned with. Um, So, you know, these are all groups who, uh, you know, just reach out to us and that we have connected with and, you know, would be kind of informal partners. So we do information sharing, um, you know, we might do exhibitions together, Uh, everything is, in, in this case is rather loose and informal, but I think in general, if anybody has a need, or if anybody represents, you know, a a group of kind of like diverse individuals who are looking to the museum as a platform that resonates with their group kind of philosophically, then then we would love to work together and share information and and grow in whatever ways we can.
0: Do you also provide a stipend or um, something like that, monetary things to support artists in the incubator? Uh,
2: not at this time, you know, I will tell you running a nonprofit foundation in the, the web three spaces is not a um, lucrative endeavor. Uh, so, you know, I will say that, you know, For example, recently, uh, Una, who is going to be a guest curator of one of the museum exhibitions, was able to secure a grant from Zora. Um, So the artists who will be kind of like selected in that exhibition will be paid. Um, But for, you know, for the most part, it's it's more about just kind of information sharing and and a willingness to grow together.
0: Fair enough, and very good. And even that is a big deal uh, for this time and for the consistency of shown. So, cheers and kudos on that. Uh, our show is focused on art, culture, and entrepreneurship. So, we spoke a lot about art. I want to touch on our, our culture and then, uh, of course, entrepreneurship. Sure. Culture, uh, you showed me statistics of the usage of the platform. How many, most of the, like, users are from what country in what percentage, you know, that we don't track. We don't track. I know
2: we have an incredible following um, in places like Argentina, uh, and Turkey, and India. um, And, you know, parts of Southeast Asia as well. Um, I would say, you know the artists that are for example represented in uh our permanent collection are incredibly diverse um so you know interestingly enough where this is less attractive to people is going to be like north america and europe um and where this is more attractive to people is is going to be in i guess what would be considered developing nations um and i think largely because that is you know this is not a market exercise and this is you know alternatively about getting more voices heard especially creative voices and you know when i go back and You know, we think about like the traditional art canon that was preserved, again, being 90% Western white male. um, This is suddenly, you know, more of an egalitarian way for creative expression in different places to be hurt. So I think people that were not traditionally represented in these institutions and in these museums find a lot of hope and promise in the idea of what this can become and how art in the future can be expressed and represented.
0: You uh, sort of answered my second question also. Uh, But the third one, in the traditional, as you said, 90% white male, we see that most of the crypto holding is again in North America or in the Western world they have more interest naturally into NFTs and crypto. Yet, why did you state that they, the, the North America and the Western world has less inclination towards what you're doing? What- yeah,
2: because this is less of a market exercise and it's more of a philosophical exercise. Um, this is, uh, you know, I think, especially in, in North America, the, the culture is capitalism. Right. Capitalism is the culture. We don't have a like long-standing history and tradition or even like a respect for human life and values. And um, so, you know, if it's not for sale, if it's not being traded, if it's not at like the, the benefit uh, or the detriment for somebody else, if it's not part of this like incredible rat race, well, you know, that it's not outside of our culture or than it is outside of our culture. So, um, you know, this is something that, that America specifically is is exporting everywhere. And, you know, I would like to at least be, you know, the, the counter side to somebody who has seen it, to somebody who has lived it and to say in point that there could be a different way if people just kind of collectively get behind a new operating, um, call it an operating agreement or a Mm -hmm. new just way of being.
0: Capitalism is the culture, quote of the day. Yeah, really. (laughs) Um, You were into the corporate, you studied in New York and you took, throughout this episode, you took several digs at the corporate and Uh, lives and their corporate mentality so can you take us through what exactly is happening on the ground we see a lot of movies and we have an impression of what happens but what do you see is actually happening in the high towers of new york what is the mentality here there well i can
2: tell you you know like the saddest place to be in the world is going to be midtown manhattan from like 6 p.m to 8 p.m when all of those people in those office towers are like getting off of work Right. You never see a smile on any of those faces, right? These could be some of the wealthiest, most powerful people in all the world. Uh, and nobody's happy. Right. So, you know, when I begin and, you know, I think about some of my friends, incredibly bright, uh, you know, who have gone into corporate law or who go and work for private equity firms, hedge funds, again, like these are, these are these are people who are selling their time for exceptional amounts of money uh, in maybe like 30 years to retire and have a nice life. So it, it, it has driven all of the humanity out of humans and replaced it as a product. And if you are not like the most efficient, hardest working, if you are not the most product of that product, then they tell you you're not going to make it and you won't be successful Uh, and that, you know, you have no, no value. Um, so, you know, just being aware of that, um, we, we don't need like New York as a centralizing force to do this business anymore. Right, these global epicenters of like banking and industry, be it like London or Paris, they they don't serve the as necessary a function to connect people. And we can do this in a more distributed global fashion with the tools that are provided to us now, you know, this is going to take some time to express itself. Uh, but I think COVID woke a lot of people up to that, that they don't necessarily need to be in the office every day. They don't need to be doing these long commutes, right? They can still be productive from like home environments, um, which I think will, again, do like create a generational shift to people living outside major cities, uh, as, as I'm doing now. And, um, you know, and I think there will have to be some sort of like reconciliation of what this system is doing and, and uh, you know, ultimately a, a return to human dignity.
0: A human dignity. <laughs> wow. Um, can you share a story from your time there? You started with investment banking and what was a thing that or an incident that caused a switch for you? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, you know, I don't I don't want to be too specific, but uh you know, you begin to look at the actions and behaviors and incentive structures of these people and almost by necessity it's like it's it's criminal. Um you know, you <laughs> straight
0: away criminal. Wow. Yeah, I,
2: you know, I it's it's um Finances is cutthroat right? Business is cutthroat. Everybody is fighting for every last penny. And I think that attitude is infectious, right? Maybe like the the proper analogy is, you know, I have friends who are like dating in New York City, right? And, you know, in New York City, you don't date one person, you know, you date five people, you date 10 people, right? Everybody is, is going around dating each other, like trying to basically climb up as high as they can on this social ladder. But, you know, enough is never enough. And nobody is willing to settle and nobody is willing to like sit and build and work on something. It's always grass is greener. So you have just, you know, you just, again, it's like another reason why, why nobody is, is ever like happy and content. and. You know, because everybody is just constantly like climbing over each other to try and find like what is next or do something better or uh, and it's it's a really it's a really tough way to operate.
0: I I can only imagine sitting here. Uh, It's a good time to transition into entrepreneurship. Um, You started, you founded a not for profit firm how with uh, you took us through what inspired you and the whole operation of this how did you assemble your team uh it was <laughs> i don't want to
2: say it was you know like universal but it was it was natch it was almost like a natural selection in the people that were attracted to the mission um you know i had been doing some investing with a friend in 2017 he uh in in 2020 introduced me to our incredible developer team um you know i had was running kind of like this friends and family fund uh and i had let them know that i was going to be spending less time on the fund and looking for investment opportunities and was going to be focused more on this museum and one of the members kind of reached out to me and said you know i have a daughter who just studied computer science and art history and i think she would be perfect Um, and that's where I, you know, met co-founder and director of the museum, Shivani. Um, so it was really just a lot of passionate people around this, these topics and this intersection and wanting to explore where this industry was going that came together and kind of made the commitment to, you know, actualize and operationalize what was, Uh, just ideas and then to translate it and cement it into the technology um, and to, you know, really see this, this vision and this value system forward.
0: Wow. Uh, Nice. So just things just unfolded. One thing led to the another.
2: Yeah. You know, I, uh, I think if you didn't you...
0: like put out ad or put out tweet to
2: <laughs> no, come
0: assemble. I, no, no, I mean,
2: you know, I think everybody has has self selected themselves into this. I always say the museum is open to anybody that is passionate about this to find a way to express that passion. Uh, it's a very flat organization. Um, you know, we we met a couple artists up in Montreal who do a lot of like graphic and design work. For us um you know our director of programming is down in in argentina uh you know where they've been so so supportive of us um you know daim al yad we did he he just contributed those seventy works we did you know our fourth solo show with him. He's a very you know intensely uh mission driven individual and finds alignment. Of his own personal values within the umbrella of the museum, um, and you know this is not like a a brand that anybody wants to like own or control. It's just whoever is most passionate about what this means. Like, let's give them as much space as possible to express that, so that other people can feel the freedom to like associate and express that as well, um, and.
0: Beautiful. How did you take uh, the responsibility of finances? Somebody new joins in the, into the team, even though they are passionate, there is an expectation that I'm working for this person or in this organization. I I hope at least the finances would be taken care of and I can just imagine how tough it would be uh, even looking at it as an NGO. So how did you solve that equation?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I think there's, it, 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 you know, there's leadership at the top, right? I'll say that, you know, me and Shivani have never been paid for this work. Um, you know, the, there are definitely people within the organization that do get paid, but it's, again, it's not like we have an incredibly lucrative treasury. Um, you know, the developers get paid to build the tech, but a lot of the tech as you've seen is is been there and I think we're way, way ahead of, I don't think there's anybody else quite doing what we're doing. Um, So, you know, from here, do we have to like, look to be lean and resilient and do we depend on, you know, donations? Yes, are we doing, you know, a big fundraiser uh, right now? Yeah, we're trying, we're trying to figure out the ways to make this organization sustainable but at the same time, by, you know, continuing to provide more value and making it more open and making it more participatory so people continue to feel and invite more people into it.
0: You and Shivani have not been paid. So just for meeting your running expenses, you might have to do something else, right? How are you managing both of these? <sighs>
2: yeah, you know, I... um you know, was lucky enough and prudent enough to uh, have been in crypto early, right? So I think a lot of the philosophical alignment that I had in the beginning of my crypto adventure was translated into a lot of the philosophy of the museum and beginning to communicate that philosophy to artists who might then like resonate with a crypto art philosophy and be able to spread that symbolically or thematically through the work that they're creating translating it into a visual language is what excites me Mm -hmm. um i think as much as i i love the art and the culture you know my background is economics and psychology and you know what i've seen is a financial system that doesn't work for everybody and what i feel the promise of crypto is Is that there is at least more ability for it, for access and inclusion, uh, and dynamism of capital. Um, so I want people to begin to experiment, you know, with these types of, of (sighs) value systems, uh, (laughs) that aren't like backed by, by
1: governments.
0: Finance and psychology, and your co-founder is computer science and arts. So very interesting uh, place you're coming from. From finance and psychology, wouldn't don't you think that would have been better suited for uh, stock trading?
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, like I I took the first job I could get, and that was investment banking. So, um, I was a I was a you know I was a I was a great stock trader. I was a great you know, a venture investor, right? I did very well in crypto, I kind of like, I proved that to myself. Right? So I didn't need to spend a career doing it because I already knew that I could. So for me, it's always about well, like, how do we transform and become something else? Like, how do you start at the bottom and do something new and work your way up and like, can 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 I do it? Can I've, I've never run a museum before I had no idea what it was like to run a museum. But I mm. asked myself if, if I could do it. Um, and if I could do it in a way that, you know, aligns with what I thought was interesting and important. Uh, so, you know, I like doing these things. I don't like being like, Static and defined, and I mm. don't like to play into old world systems. Um, uh,
0: yeah. I like that thought. I like that thought because uh, you said you you knew that you could do it, and you want to do something which you're curious about, and you want to test and experiment if you can do this or not. Yeah, uh, I I always wonder about these questions. You know, finding full fulfillment in life or meaning in life. So it's a very nice way of looking at it, exploring, even if it doesn't make a penny, exploring and doing things. So uh, (laughs) from penny to the money question, did you save up before this to come into this or uh, how did you think about the money? I'm not going to make anything. It's unpredictable crypto and I'm not going to be paying myself for many, many years to come in the future. How am I going to support myself? Are people dependent on me?
2: Like you know, it's um it's always uh it's always a prayer. Right? I was at least, you know, in in twenty seventeen I wasn't quite, you know, as well prepared as I was for like the cycle this time around. Right? I recognized, you know, I had the experience and recognition um And, you know, was able to, uh, I was better at, I would say, identifying kind of the peak. Now, is it always hard to go through these ridiculously extreme periods of volatility? Yes. Right. But if you go and, you know, I had an interview with Fortune. It was, I guess, February of 2022. And, you know, and I called for a cataclysmic crash in the NFT market. Right. Because to me, it was so blindingly obvious that everybody was going around like spreading lies, creating something that was unsustainable. Um, and and frankly, that hurts people like me who are trying to build something that is like meant to be sustainable and is meant to be long term and doesn't care about the market. Uh, so. Yeah, I mean, you you. You know, I have been uniquely adapted and suited to deal with risk, right? I don't think there are many people, you know, like myself that have like the risk tolerance and can kind of sit here in the pain and know when it's going to be very painful and know when it's going to be, you know, so. The only person you can trust in, in, in your life is yourself, right? And if you're hearing something from somebody else, well, then it's probably too late, right? So you never want to be a pawn in somebody else's game. So you really have to like, that's the only advice I can give. And that was like my biggest transformation in, in coming into crypto is what does it mean to continue to be self-sovereign and have like the resiliency and the ability to, to continue to exist and express like yourself in the most true and authentic way that you can. Um, and at some point that is like a combination and a personal decision around like how much freedom do you want? How much money do you need? Uh, and, and finding that balance.
0: Wow. What are some more tips that you would give to the audience for resilience and uh, being strong and and controlling themselves even in times of this extreme risks? Yeah, I mean,
2: <clears throat> look, all all reward in life is a factor of risk, right? If you want big rewards, then you have to be prepared to take big risks, right? And the only way, you can be prepared to take risks is if you have no fear of failure. Right. And you know, the only way to have no fear of failure is to experiment and experiment and experiment and fail and fail and fail and fail and fail, and fail, and fail again and again, and again, and again. Right. So, you know, the, the thing that all of this is trying to tell people is like, you, you have to be more creative. You have to break out of your habits. You have to go continue to explore new things and find out what that means to you. Like you are never too old. You are never to anything, you know, your excuses and the stories that you tell yourself about yourself is what is holding you back now. Like I recognize probably that 99% of people. Have obligations that keep them in like similar structures. And those are structures that they want to preserve and try and continue. And whether that is like family or, or business or career, you know, these feelings of responsibility. Well, you know, I'll, to that, I'll say, like, yes, it's true, but also the world is very cold to many of those things. Um, and You know, the, the world I think is increasingly looking for people that don't like stay the same, but are able and willing to change and grow with it. So you have to be preparing yourself for change in order to accommodate like all of, I really think we're like the beginning of just a tremendous period of, of exponential change and restructuring and reordering.
0: Wow. Um, Risk is being ready to not care about failure. I I really love that quote. And I was searching for. I mean, we have these thumbs up and likes on Twitter Spaces, right? <laughs> I was trying to send you likes and hundreds over. Here. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> so um, I think another aspect of that is, as you mentioned, the stories you tell yourself. Um, uh, my another question on the same line comes with the confidence also. So fear of failure, as you mentioned, just keep going it and keep failing it to overcome it. What do you think about keeping your self-esteem high or for your self-confidence? What are some tips on that?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, at the it, it's, this is difficult, right? Because you have to, in, in today's world, you have to have a willingness to put yourself out there. Right. And you have to be self-assured in the things that you believe to the point where anybody else's judgment uh, against what you truly believe is like water off of a duck's back. Right. So you have to, you know, be willing to put yourself out there. You have to have the resolve to be able to like handle and take criticism around something that you truly, deeply believe in. But the hardest thing in the world is finding, right, that center of, of what you truly and deeply believe in and having that confidence to be able to express it, right? So confidence is always a function of like resolve and belief. So if you if you don't know what that thing is, right, if somebody told you something and you parrot that, And somebody says, well, no, that's not correct. Well, because you listen to this other person, you're probably very vulnerable to listen to this other person. And now suddenly you have a conflict of like identity and belief. So, you know, you have to find that thing that is inside of you. That is your highest expression of self. And then confidence is very, very easy, right? Because that is truly who you are. That is truly what you believe. So you have to like, minimize all of the external inputs into what somebody else is telling you. You can give yourself, if you don't know what that thing is, the freedom to go explore and take in a lot of ideas. But then this is truly about just like sitting with yourself, meditating, doing that work to find what is the, the, the one true central guiding principle. Uh, Because frankly, you only get, one thing that you want to communicate right and this is like a part of identity in public open worlds is like you get one thing and you have to communicate it again and again and again and again and again again. uh so that becomes the identity that you are are really known for
0: Mm. you sort of answered the next question also going a level deeper i wanted to know How do you come to one central belief? Because the main enemy of the self-confidence is not having that belief and listening to others' opinion and doing this sometimes, doing this, testing it out other times. And uh, so you said meditate and focus and uh, get to know that thing. But my follow-up question to that is in how much time? Uh, There is a FOMO fear of missing out if you don't do things in your early 20s, even you know, when you're 20s, or even like I, I had this big problem when I was just 18, 19 in college. I was like, Mark Zuckerberg started his company at 17, even Bill Gates and all these people started this, and I still don't have one central idea that I want to build on, and that was that happened for a long time, and it's just not with me. I'm seeing many of uh, cousins or friends or other people I speak to, um, it, I they know that, okay, I need to find one central thing. But they're also afraid that if they don't find it quickly, they will be wasting a lot of time and losing a chance of getting a compounding uh, return on whatever they start doing from early on. How do you aspect, the time factor in this and coming down to something that you believe in yourself? Yeah,
2: I mean, you can never know the the path of the journey when you're on it, right? So I did not know that, right? Like that investment banking and then that work with the UN and finding kind of like a middle ground in that like wealth management firm and then that random opportunity that was provided to me. So I think many times people will tell you, like life is linear, but and like growth is meant to be linear, but it's really not in my experience, it's more of a stepping stone, right? You might spend two years in one thing and then suddenly you have an exponential step up and then you might spend five years and then suddenly there's an exponential step up um, and you you much of that time, you don't understand what those experiences are providing you for the next step in the iteration, right? I would not have been successful in crypto if I did not have an investment banking, a trading background, and kind of a a knowledge of VC and angel investing. Like, I wouldn't have, but none of those things were, you know, part of my journey. But that was an exploratory phase through my 20s where, you know, I knew the types of things that interested me. Um, they weren't perfectly aligned. Um, but, you know, I was, you know, I was passionate enough about them in a way that, like, that was my exchange of, like, labor and brain power to, to provide for myself in those times. Um, you know, ideally, if anybody is looking for, you know, like, larger financial success, you have to, at some point be a founder and you have to own something and you, you know, you can't really work for anybody else. Um, so, you know, if that is your, your goal to be that, and that is, you know, I'm telling you, that is like a very stressful and hard life. And, you know, do I think about all of the people that have joined alongside and like providing for them? And are they like my family because we believe these things Absolutely. Um, so, you know, I don't even really remember <laughs> what, the, what the initial question was at this point. No,
0: you answered it very yeah. well. Uh, that you, sim, in in simple analogy of the stepping stones, and it is from the conversation you explained it that it's a very natural flow, and not to stress very much about it, and just keep uh, doing. <laughs> I would never have, you know, 10
2: years ago, I would never have expected to be here five years ago, I would never have expected this life life. There are little moments in life that pull you way off of the expected course. And you know, I would welcome people to like, invite more of those moments into their life. Right. Like, not to get so worried about, like, everything compounding into that one thing, especially if you have, like, any doubt about if that is, like, the fullest expression of yourself, right? Like, Mm. I I went into first day of university knowing, right, that I was going to be pre-med neuroscience and behavior, right? And I went to that first chemistry class, and I was like, okay, like, this is not for me. And I just knew it. Right. But if I had listened to the story that I had told myself for all of those years, then I wouldn't have had whatever it is, the courage or belief to go explore. Right. Like psychology and economics instead. Um, And I probably would have been, you know, some sort of doctor today, Uh, but we wouldn't be having this conversation and my life would be totally different. But I probably wouldn't be as happy as I am.
0: Yeah. Unhappy doctor. Yeah. From 6, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. New York, uh, Midtown. <laughs>
2: yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. All right. Beautiful. Now, on to the signature round. These are a set of questions that we ask all our guests to have their different perspective on it. And we, as you're talking about it, I want to begin with this question. How to make money?
2: Uh I mean, there's a million different ways to make money in this world, right? If if you are talking about, um, you know, how to make the most amount of money, well, you, you have to own something, right? And you have to own something that is desirable. Uh, and you have to be willing to either build a business around that. Um, or, or, you know, in in my instance, I have had a ability to recognize new and novel opportunities before a lot of people, and that is a function of, you know the freedom that I give myself to explore kind of trends that are are coming up on in the tech world. Um, so you can either go very deep into one thing, or you can go very broad. Right. And, you know, if you go deep into one thing, you want to be assured that that one thing is going to be around in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And it's going to be something that people are going to be using every day, and that it is relevant to not just the now, but obviously the future. Right. And then if you're going to go broad, then, (laughs) then you have to have enough like freedom to explore and get to the fringe of similar types of places um and you can either you know become an investor or domain experts or you can go build a business so you know what i love about the museum and the people that it invites in is like i said it's a place where i get to learn from creatives and artists and people who are domain experts on things like augmented reality, virtual reality, crypto, right? Like art and culture generally, you know, it's going to be the most creative people, the most free people. We're going to get to these places first and begin to experiment in and provide those indicators of the future. Um, so, you know, I leveraged like investing success into kind of like this think tank thing where I continue to get to see the latest developments of what is going to be future tech and how these products are going to be expressed and shared.
0: Wow, you have gone very broad and used those experiences to implement different places and different things. Um, Going about deep, people can understand, right? But about again, about going broad, there's a book called Range, some person having multiple skill sets and, uh, multiple interests. Uh, how would somebody in that category make money apart from investing? Of course, investing yeah. is a good way to recognize what's going to come and not. So, what else? yeah,
2: you know, I'm going to, I'm going to just keep riffing on that is that capitalism tells people they need to be very niche, right? They need to become an expert in one thing. And that is like the way to provide the most value. Now again, with AI, you know advancements in AI advancements in machine learning, um, suddenly there's a lot of fear around redundancy and what is like the human's ability to maintain and retain knowledge compared to like a computer that could do all of the statistical programming and kind of um, so I generally am of the opinion that like experts and and this is this is proven time again like the consensus of experts in any one field is a worse predictor of outcome and future than the broad general consensus of of polled people and and that is what got me into crypto in the first place right so uh you know how do you go broad and make money is a very very interesting question that i i don't necessarily know the answer to although you have to have like again just the courage to continue to reinvent yourself and the willingness to not get stuck into kind of any one thing if you don't believe it is like continuing to to serve you um because you know all of like The automated things will continue to be automated, and you know if if you get automated, well then like what do you do? You you know you have to be you have to be creative. You have to continue to grow. Um, you have to like get into the zeitgeist of the times, which is, uh, in in my opinion, the continued transformation into digital, or like the the need to reconcile and deal with like the human spirit and kind of like the collective evolutionary trauma that we are, are moving in, like shifting through.
0: Uh. Mm. Amazing. A lot of gems out of this uh, discussion. Next question. If you could meet any three people living or dead for a lunch, whom whom would you want to go with?
2: Oh my gosh. What a question. Any three people living or dead who, uh, probably Tesla. I would be down to have a conversation with Tesla. Um, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe Einstein. I feel like he was fascinating and funny and, and brilliant. Um, and
0: name uh, a living person if you can't think
1: <laughs> a
2: a living person yeah
1: mm. oh.
2: that is that is such a difficult question for me um
0: Probably a role model or somebody you're very fascinated about or somebody. Yeah, very I mean, I'd like,
2: I'd like to meet maybe like a, uh, like, a you or know, somebody like, very
0: infamous also. Yeah. Maybe like <laughs>
2: Kurt Cobain, maybe somebody who went like full, like rock star cycle.
0: Hmm. Part two of this question: What is one question that you would ask each of them? I mean, it's d- different question for different person. What would you like to know from them? <laughs> Tesla.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I would have to think like, what, what is your why? You know, what is the Mm. the fundamental reason for the exploration or the feeling inside of you that prompted you to get to this place, right? I think it would be an interrogation of, of, of core identity, Mm. right? So what were like the lessons and things that drove you to want to express your life in this way? Hmm. I'm, oh. you know, I'm certainly fascinated by. It, it would seem like scientists who are probing the nature of reality, or like rock stars and musicians that that probe the importance and expression of individuality, um, and like what what that what that means.
0: What about Einstein?
2: Yeah, I mean, Einstein, it's it's the same, like where does the why yeah it's the why it's where does the creativity around developing like fundamental understanding like what is the inspiration for that you know where how are you able to make these presumed like huge fundamental leaps in human understanding in logic in like invention and science in something that is like rules-based and mathematical, where does, like, I don't know if that is like divine spiritual guidance or, or what that channeling is. um, But how through these individual minds, are you able to facilitate like exponential leaps in understanding?
0: I, I feel for Einstein, it wasn't why, like when you say about why it is like, I want this, that's why I'm doing this. But, there is another aspect of observation, right? Of curiosity. Even in Darwin's case, it was the same. He was he was blindly curious. Like for Einstein, what if I travel? Um, what if I sit on a beam of a light and travel? What will I? Mm. What will happen then? Right. <laughs> just just uh, right. curiosity.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, like to be to be so classically trained, right? But also have the ability to think and perceive and question what is outside of those models, and then to mm. be able to so succinctly, like communicate and express and, you know, be elegant in like that expression so that other people can begin to understand yeah. and grow and build off that I think is a just it's a tremendous, tremendous skill.
0: Wow. Uh, and explain it so simply as well. I mean, this is his quote which is very famous. If you can't understand it very well, you cannot explain it simply. And he understood it so well that he was able to explain that so simply to everybody. Yeah. Uh, amazing. What question would you ask for, to Kurt Cobain?
2: Yeah, you know, I think Kurt Cobain falls in like a line of like it could be an artist like Picasso or just uh, again, it's Uh, there is this is less science and more purely creative, right? How do you Mm. tap into yourself to represent and reflect like the voice of a generation or, or a creation of a new genre of music or a new genre of painting? Um, You know, I'm, I'm so curious if there is like an intentional progression Or if Mm. this is just the culmination and channeling into like individuals where it is almost like outside of themselves, but it really just like fits, you know, and they're like communicators of a a larger, broader zeitgeist. So I would be curious across all of them to know where their individuality fits into like this broader Mm. societal uh, expression.
0: Wow. Next question. If today was the last day to live, like you're going to die in the next 24 hours, what would you do?
2: Uh, You know, I would probably just go outside. I would get, you know, the, the people that were closest and dearest to me and I would, you know, I would probably go outside and I would go find a sunny spot and I would probably just lay down in the sun and be. you know if I if I knew I was going to die, I don't think I would be rushing really to do anything because I pretty much try to treat every day as that anyways, right. So I would know that the expression and totality of the life lived was one in which I was preparing. Uh, for that moment. So then I would probably know that I was ready. um, And then suddenly I could just be and and just kind of be at peace.
0: So living every day, like in the moment. So it doesn't matter if it is tomorrow's there or not. Beautiful.
2: I mean, you know, it's, it's again, it's about trying to find and fulfill like the fullest expression of self so and nothing in life is guaranteed and i think that's also like a great way for people to get to that is having that thought exercise don't think about like the compounding of time and what that's going to mean in 20 30 years because none of that is guaranteed right what gets you excited to like wake up in the morning and do that thing today um you know, and, and don't like try to induce and force suffering upon yourself uh, for the sake of like some goal and that, that may or may not be promised.
0: Why do great philosophers throughout history and like yourself have long beards? <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: I mean, I think that's just I think, uh, you know, for me, this is just an expression of freedom. <laughs> yeah, the oh. long hair, you know, the long hair, the long beard, right? Oh, you have like,
0: long hair too. Okay. Yeah,
2: you know, uh, it's <laughs> it's uh and then it's also like, you know, I think part of it is also continuing to like reject outside judgment. The notion. Yeah, because
0: yes. you had to have clean shaved uh, face and all that and investment banking. Right. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> you know that I, I, see I think it's important for from. like to present also, you know, the, the visual counterpoint so that people know that like you can do it and and it's important for me to feel that like I am free and that I can do it.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we talked about death. What do you want to be remembered for after death? <laughs> um,
2: you know that uh, I think kindness is is probably number one. I think just like a willingness to to help people. Uh, I would like people to know and believe that I really cared about the things that I said I cared about right? That I wasn't like trying to sell them anything, but I was just here trying to express and find like a new way for everybody collectively to be more of themselves and to have like built the tools that encourage people to share and express. And, you know, if they don't know their own, uh, perhaps core value to learn from others and connect with others who can help bring them uh, Mm. more clarity and meaning and, and, Mm. you know, put them on that path. So, yeah, you know, kind of just trusting that if you do good and you continue to help others, that the compounding effects of those energetic ripples will be felt and carried for a while.
0: So you you want your life to be an example of that?
1: Yeah, you know, I just,
2: yeah. I just, I just want to do good. And I want to care about others. And you know, that, that there, you know, that, that the culture doesn't have to be capitalism, and that, <laughs> you know, we, we, we can do things differently. And, you know, mm. we we can find a different way.
1: Uh,
0: you know, we should have a separate episode where you can join us, uh, and we can explore what is alternative to capitalism apart from Marxism and other things. Sure, that uh, would be a very interesting episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But... You know, my my
2: my director challenges me that all the time. I don't know, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't have an alternative. I just know what is happening right now. It doesn't feel good to me. I know it doesn't feel good to a lot of people. It seems to be getting worse. Uh, it seems to be like very visibly like harming the planet and if you carry it to its logical conclusion and end goal um doesn't feel like it's going to end very well so
0: what are your thoughts on india uh i have what are are the impressions you have Yeah. yeah
2: so i have spent time in goa and i have spent time in kerala uh and i thought it was just the most incredible dynamic, one of the most incredible dynamic places that I had ever been. Um, And I found, uh, I found it to be so invigorating and full of life, and changing. Um, It was just so it was to me, it was just incredibly dynamic and and interesting. Uh, And I've made an incredible amount of friends. You know, we have an artist uh, on our artist council, Fabin Rashid from India, who in in my mind is one of the most like creative, talented, impressive artists that I have ever come across. Um, so I think, you know, India has so much like hope and potential for for the future uh and just being like this in you know i i i i, I I'm, I'm i'm pretty excited for india
0: and also you have got many people in your team with indian origins yeah uh, that name suggests
2: yeah shivani shivani's family is indian um is there any there uh Khalil, who has done some work with us
0: so these people are from America or are they somebody is out of India as well?
2: Uh, so Shivani was born in America. I believe both of her parents were born in India.
0: At least three to four names I've read, but that's a, that was very interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, the museum is yeah. uh, in yeah. this way, definitely deeply connected to India.
0: And very, very, uh, what do you say, Equality, diverse. In in uh, as you are explaining, that was a very good thought about the core values of the museum. Okay, um, what gets you excited about the future? Um, uh, just that that you know the future
2: is unwritten, and we literally have the ability to sit here and come together and, and manifest it together. Uh, and nothing is guaranteed and nothing is certain. And that, uh, with technology, we have the ability to shake and move and reorient and reconfigure, um, you know, what excited me about the metaverse is that we can go into these digital spaces and we can pioneer new forms of governance and we can pioneer new forms of. Economies and we can very rapidly test things that we're not able to do in physical space so we can have more experiments and we can find out what works and we can bring it back into real life. Um, so, you know, I think exponential Mm. change speaks to exponential progress and exponential experimentation. And I think over time, all of these experiments will sort themselves into, uh, more abundance and better living and less suffering and, uh, a collective elevation of consciousness away from probably more primitive and primal instincts, uh, like violence and competition, um, and just like a deeper understanding in in the connectedness of of all of us and our like mm. coexistence on this planet.
0: There's lots lots of excitement and to see how it unfolds. Amazing. Yeah. What is the most priceless gift you have ever received?
2: Oh, wow. Um, the most priceless gift. Uh, you know, I think probably the one that has stayed with me is, it was a, a, a wristwatch of my father's that he
1: gave to me when I graduated middle school. Wow. Yeah.